up, everybody? This is Beards for Radio with Sasha and Joe, and today we have a special guest. Michael, why don't you introduce yourself for us? I'm Mike, and Zach Howard graduate, and I also have my own podcast called the MT Sports Show. And um, I'm happy to be a guest on the Beers for Radio today. So thanks for having me, guys. Our pleasure, man. Let me tell you something about his podcast. It's a very good Wolverine Talk podcast, pure Michigan football. I don't know if you guys are going to do basketball when it starts. But, yeah, very informative, very, very good. <laughs> I try to stay objective and not remain, you know, to be a subjective where, like, you, you see that a lot. But, I mean, sometimes, you, you I mean, you are a fan, so – it comes out at times, but for the most part, we try to stay objective. So. Yeah, for the most part, we just say what we feel. So it's a little bit different here. If we don't like our team, we're gonna just going to say it's bullshit. So, yeah, call it down the line. Cool. A, a, a little bit of difference. You know, you guys are a half glass full. We're kind of half glass empty, or we're smacking it off the table. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Glass half full of shit too. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes absolutely. You just gotta call it down the middle. I mean, what what do you <laughs> see that's going on? You just you just say how it is, and I mean, some people might yeah. not like it, and you might not even like what you what you're saying. But sometimes, two thirds. Sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, this week is the big week of the football season in the state of Michigan. The battle yeah. for the Paul Bunyan Trophy, the backyard brawl. It is Michigan State. It is Michigan under the lights at the big house. You can't see me right now, but my, my arms are going crazy. Woo! <laughs> this, is, this is my favorite and least favorite week of the year, honestly. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> a lot of tensions riding high and everywhere. East Lansing, Ann Arbor, it's, it's, uh, it's a big week for, for both teams and um, first first meeting between both teams under the lights, so it's going to be be interesting. It's, I think it's going to be a close game. So, yeah, that's right. Um, so it was announced about two weeks ago that it was going to be a night game. Um, do we think that's going to factor much into the result, or are we fans of the night game? Are we opposed to it? What do you guys think? Mike, take it away first. I'll I'll follow after you. Okay. Um, I think that um the way. For, for, let's start with Michigan State. The way, way Michigan State plays, I think Michigan State gets more amped up to play at night as far as that goes. Yeah. I mean, you know, the last time they played at the Big House, the, the, I mean, I don't, you know, no one wants to hear it, but the last play of the game ended, on, ended at night. So maybe that, maybe that fact is in the way Michigan State wants to play this game. Um, I don't know. Um, I think I think Michigan, especially Jim Harbaugh, he doesn't, he doesn't really care for night games. He likes the noon games or the 3.30 games, but He's quoted saying that that's how games in college football is played. So I don't know if it really really factors in a lot for for fans, but fans love it. I think. Yeah. They don't. They don't really. You know. They would if it's a noon game or a three thirty game. You know, they don't care. But they've been waiting for a night game. So um, the players are still going to prepare where they want to. But um, I think you're going to see an amped up game. That's in my opinion. Um, but um, yeah, both sides of the ball. So. Yeah, well, for the night games, I definitely agree with Jim. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the night games as a player. As a fan, I don't mind it because, you know, you get to sit and have a good time and watch the game at night, have a drink, go to the bar, do whatever, but not, not feel like a lush that you're drinking at around noon, even though it's noon somewhere in the world. But I, I agree with him. It's, it's, it, it takes a lot of – it takes more mental preparation. You know, you're getting up in the morning – you're used to playing the game within three, four hours of the time you're getting up. Now you have to wait a whole 12 hours until night game. Well, you know, it, it, it might help them out. It might get them amped up. But I think what it hurts is the fans. You're going to have two interstate rivalry, rivalries that their fan bases really can't stand each other. And you get to mix that with a whole day of getting liquored up and drinking and then throw them in the big house together or outside in the, in the Lansing and Ann Arbor are within driving distance of each other. So there's going to be both fan bases there. Everyone's going to be drunk. Oh, yeah. It's just not, a, to me, it's not a good thing for the fan base for it to happen at night and get them all together. It might, it might not, but I just don't see it ending out so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, every year the road team 
is very well represented in the in the uh, opponent's stadium. Yeah, it seems like that. MSU fans usually show up for away games. I don't really think MSU fans really um, were felt in their presence at you know at home against Notre Dame. But that's that's something to talk about in a, another topic. But um, yeah, the, the night games are just uh, are great for fans. But like Sasha said, yeah. when you get two fan bases that are hated towards each other and it's a rivalry, you know, and you make it a night game, people, booze are flowing and everything like that. They're going to have to amp security up. And I, yeah. I hope I'm going to be there. I'll, I'll say that. I'll, I'll, I did not mention that, but I will, be, I will be there. And hopefully I don't see any fights or see anybody getting into anything like that because you don't want to see that. Um, You know, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty interesting to see if that actually does happen. Though I wouldn't be surprised if it did. So. True. That's how I feel. Yeah. Um, so John O'Corn, it was announced this week, will be starting in lieu of the injured Wilton Spate. Um, from what I've heard from most U of M fans, like they're not happy that Spate is injured, obviously, but they're glad O'Corn is getting his shot. Uh, what do you guys, Michael, we'll start off with you. What do you think about this certain situation? Um, what I, what I see on social media a lot, especially on, um, Twitter and, and um, I guess mainly Facebook, um, that before the before the injury spade, I think a lot of fans were kind of fed up with what spade was bringing. And uh, on my podcast, I you know we call it down the line and we see what we see from spade, and I just don't see a confident guy in the quarterback position. And but at the same time, he gave the he gave the best chance for Michigan to to win, which is not such a strong point on that. But um, he had the most experience, and John O'Corn hadn't played previously. He played one game last year. Before that, he didn't play at till Houston till his freshman year, end of his freshman year. So, um, you know, my take on it is O'Corn played really well against Purdue, and even though he doesn't have as much experience as State does, um, you know, I'm, I'm behind O'Corn because um, he he does at least, you know, have some experience. You know, he's not just a guy that's you know thrown into the wolves, and you know, like say if he you threw Brandon Peters in there and guy's never played a snap in his life so that's yeah. a bit different but um you know when Wilton Spate went down um you know I I wasn't I wasn't like freaking out and it, it's kind of yeah. strange to say that most fans would freak out if their quarterback went down like oh, geez, oh I would that too next you know I would certainly freak out if Brian Lewerke went down at this point um yeah and before I let Sasha take it away I just want to say John O'Corn looked much more confident and competent versus Indiana or not versus Purdue um, a couple weeks ago versus what he looked like in his one start against Indiana uh, last year in the big house. I thought thought he was a little shaky in that game, but that, like you said, that was his first game experience of the year. You know what the thing about that is, Joe, he threw an interception on that, on that drive. And, you know, I was sitting to myself and I was like, you know what, you threw an interception. You know, that's fine or whatever because you just get back and go to the next drive and do something good. But the thing after the game, he he wanted to prove something to himself um, and to um, uh, Joe Levine, his Purdue's co-offensive coordinator. He was actually John O'Corn's head coach at Houston, and he benched John O'Corn there. So O'Corn, I think, wanted to prove something to him. And when he scored that first touchdown on that first drive to Gentry, he looked over that way and – um, I think he was kind of like, hey, you know, I'm here to prove you wrong kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, you kind of seen that demeanor after post game. so. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, I got to mirror your your sentiments, Joe. I think, I mean, Mike, I think being fed up with Spate is an understatement. I was sick of seeing him. I was sick of hearing about the 26-pound loss. It didn't really show nothing. It didn't really carry you over. I think – the age of the six foot four quarterback that just sits in the pocket because he's tall and can see over the line is over. And like you said, I wasn't too upset or worried when Spade got hurt because O'Corn came in and stepped up and threw 66% less attempts and is already halfway to reaching Spate in touchdowns and yardage in one game. So I hope he can carry it over. I wasn't really a big fan of Spate to begin with. I don't think he has a good arm. I think he has good 
touching the ball. Sometimes I think he has too much touch on the ball. I don't think he has enough zip and enough laser on the ball. And I think when Harbaugh said in the beginning of the year, we don't know who our starting quarterback is, I don't think he was just playing to not let anybody know who his starting lineup was. I honestly truly believe that he didn't know whether Spate was going to be a starter or not. And I hope O'Kern keeps this uh, steam and keeps going forward with this team because, like I said, the quarterback is the key to this Michigan team. If that quarterback fails, we're pretty much doomed. Mm-hmm. I think it's another interesting aspect in this matchup um, because going into the year, you thought it would be spate. You thought it would probably be like an afternoon or evening game. And honestly, to this point, I thought Michigan State's running game would be a three-headed monster and carrying the offense. It has been anything but. If anything, the Michigan State running game is what's holding the offense back right now. Like, when Michigan State lets Brian Lewerke just open up the playbook, spread it around, scramble, like, that's when they're at their best. But when they try to force the run game, it's, it's just not working. It's been a very big enigma to me at this point. Last year, MSU rushed for 217 yards versus Michigan, most of it coming from L.J. Scott. Um, But to this point, they don't have a 100-yard rusher in a game yet. So let's kind of talk about the Michigan State offense versus the Michigan defense, uh, the weaknesses and strengths of each unit. What do you guys think about this matchup? Um, You know, Michigan's defense is ranked up there with – I mean, Michigan's number one defense in in the Big Ten. And, you know, Michigan State's up there right now too is – far as what they what they did for their first couple of games but um you know Michigan State having success running the ball against Michigan Michigan right now ranks first nationally in rush defense so mm-hmm. I mean if Michigan State's going to want to run against Michigan they're going to have to do something but you know Michigan's rush defense last year was great too I don't know what it was ranked last year in rush defense as far as nationally or Big Ten goes but I know it was great and Michigan State had success running on them last year so it's it's quite possible they might figure something out in that. Last year, like, Michigan's defense was just top-notch from top to bottom, you know, secondary, linebackers, defensive ends, defensive tackles, everything. Um, Sasha, is it fair to say that the secondary is the weakness of the Michigan defense? And not necessarily saying that they're, like, weak, weak, but they're just not the strongest point of that defense. Is that fair to say? I mean, yeah, you can say that they lost a lot of their secondary to the you know NFL draft or seniors not coming back. But I personally like this Michigan defense better this year because I'm seeing more hats on the ball. I'm seeing more gang tackling. I'm seeing more wrap-ups. I'm not seeing just a shoulder and have somebody bounce off because if you're going to try to shoulder Saquon Barkley, good luck. You know, so they got to get hats on the ball. I like I like where they're going, and I think – it starts from that leadership from Winovich um, and the linebacker core. So I like Rashawn Gary, too. He's he's doing this thing. He looks leaner. Like I said, he doesn't even look like a defensive lineman. Dude's looking out there looking like Megatron. He's so lean, quicker, stronger. So I like Michigan's defense better this year, to be honest with you, than I really did last year. I think there's way too much emphasis on uh, Peppers, you know, with him being yeah. a spy and do, doing everything and whatever and whatnot, I think it just took away from all the other things that this defense does great and what Don has with his schemes and everything. So I like Michigan's defense this year. I think they're more of a, a cohesive defense than just having a good defense with with stud defensive players here and there that can do, you know, whatever. Yeah. I definitely think Winovich has been outperforming his expectations on a on an individual level, which I'm glad to see. Like I've had the I've had the opportunity to meet Chase Winovich a couple of times. He's a very nice guy, um, one of the nicest people I've met. So I don't necessarily like Michigan, obviously, but whenever I see him make a play, like I'm not I'm not upset about it. You um, mentioned that. You mentioned that real quick. I want to I want to throw something here. Um, Michigan's pass defense, they, they uh they rank fourth nationally in pass yards allowed right now. So I mean, 
I mean, that speaks for itself. It's just statistically that's what they rank right now. It's numbers yeah. high, whether, whether it, you see whatever you see in the game, it's up and down or whatnot. But that's what their past defense ranks right now, and I don't think their secondary has really been uh, relied on too much because they haven't really faced a quarterback that has been able to just throw the ball like really well. And I, I think when they face mm-hmm. Michigan State, I think Lewerke is a guy that can – throw he can run so Michigan's secondaries uh-huh. might have might get a test against Michigan State because the yeah. running game hasn't really been doing really well right now so yeah he doesn't so much throw the ball way downfield but you'll see him do pretty well on like five yards and outs or like 10 15 yard passes um kind of those types of passes yeah Michigan's young secondary has really been tested against too many teams. Um, you know, they they have a lot of young corners corners there. I think their most experienced guy is Lavert Hill, and he's a second year guy. And I think this is his like first year really playing. So he yeah. might just call, might as well just call him a freshman. So. Mm-hmm. Um, play that Michigan. So Delano Hill played at Michigan. So he's Delano Hill. Ties ties there, but um, yeah. One thing I was really uh, pleasantly surprised to see was how Michigan State bounced back defensively from the Notre Dame game. The Notre Dame game, um, well, they gave up one touchdown on a pick six, but their offense was just their defense, actually, versus Notre Dame's offense. Notre Dame was just running all over the place. I was very happy to see how they responded versus uh, Iowa, and Akram Wadley held Iowa to um, – I think like 19 yards rushing, less than 200 yards overall. My concern about the Michigan State defense is I'm not sure if what I saw against Notre Dame is what I'm going to get or if what I saw against Iowa is what I'm going to get. But I've definitely been surprised by them to this point because I thought that would be a weakness, their defense this year. Yeah, MSU's defense, they've lost a whole core of people. You know, they lost – all their, you know, big name dudes, their tight ends, or my bad, their defensive ends to their secondary. I didn't think they'd be this good or in this kind of shape, this com- coming this far into the season, especially playing against Iowa. They did, but I think that Michigan's run is going to what's going to probably take them over the top this this week. Um, I think O'Corn's going to just do his thing. He needs to do his thing, but I think our our running game needs to step up a lot more because I don't think you guys are going to be able to stop the running game as much. I don't even think you guys are going to be able to stop the passing game as much. I'm not trying to be like, oh, yeah, my Wolverines are going to steamroll you guys, but I I feel like, like that's how it might happen. That's how it might go. But yeah, I could be wrong. Yeah, they're, Michigan uses the tight ends, and that really helps them out really well. And they, the first four games, Will and Spade didn't even know he had tight ends on the roster, I feel like, because – it seems like they didn't really use them a, a lot every game. So um, they're, they're definitely going to use the tight ends, and I think that might open up the run game more for Michigan because they'd like to use those guys. And, you know, the the schemes are working well for Michigan and running the ball. Michigan, here's the stats right now on Michigan's rushing um, attack. They've rushed over 100 yards for their, their first four games. I think that their most rushing yards they had this season was over 200 versus Florida, which um, – SEC defense, whatever you want to call it. But um, last year they failed to rush over 100 yards three times, and they were 0-3. So um, I know they only rushed for 98 yards last year against Iowa on the road when they lost in that game. And um, Iowa, it's tough to play at, at Kinnick Stadium, but we like we've seen against um, Iowa and Michigan State. Um, I think, don't think Iowa was very good outside of Kinnick Stadium. So yeah. Um, and, and, and- and I think O'Corn is like a whole new dynamic too because he he can move. You know, Spate Spate can't move. Um, he's stiff to me. You know, what I'm saying if if if, Spate, if yeah, if, right. If Spate was in that game where uh, O'Corn rolled out, tucked it, pulled it back out, and threw that knuckle to Perry. Yep. No, that that game was that that play right there was stopped five seconds ago because space getting stacked, sacked because he's not getting out of it. He just doesn't have the mobility to do that. And I think that O'Corn is going to add a new dynamic. It's going to spread the field because he can do both. You know. 
one thing I want to see with him, the biggest thing I want to see with John Corn is, you know, he played at Houston. He, he is most he, he pa- already passes uh, most passing yards at Michigan since he was at Houston, and his most passing yards when he was at Houston was against Rutgers. His most passing yards against Rutgers, and let me say this: Rutgers, Rutgers is not good. I think we all can agree on that. <laughs> but um, you know, he has, he he played well in his first start against uh, Purdue, and Purdue's defense coming into that game, they only had two sacks in that game. And I know they got to a corn at least once and a spade a few times, but um, Michigan State's defense is—they're no slouch either. And we 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 all talked about a little bit that they lost um, a lot to the draft, but I, D'Antonio knows how to get get his guys playing, whatever he absolutely be playing. So, but they they lose, you know, McDowell to the draft or never. He, yeah. he knows how to coach. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, only eleven sacks. In 2016, Michigan State is up to nine this year. I know nine's not like the most impressive mark through four games, but when you only had 11 through 12 games last year, like nine and four games is a obviously just a huge improvement on that. Yeah, they, but they have you know they they have a lot of younger guys that have been asked to step in and fill in for that those roles that have have been left by either suspensions or dismissals from the program or just going to the draft. So those guys are. Yeah it's called being hungry, you know, they're, they're hungry to play, which mm-hmm. sometimes that can hurt you when you're, when you're younger being hungry. So even whether it's Michigan state or Michigan, uh, so just, we have to see yeah, what right. on, with those guys. And I think these kids are getting a lot of experience too. Like in the next two, three years, when they're juniors and seniors, they're going to be studs because they've already gone through the, they already gone through the fire and, the defense being blown up like it was this year, that just you can attribute this to just good coaching. That's all I can say. I think I think D'Antonio is a really good coach. He did the right thing with the program during the sex scandal. He didn't cover it up like many other programs do. He addressed it head on and he did what he had to do and he took his lumps and good coaching, man. They've they've came back from like the doldrums to this, so it's going to be a good game. I hope to see a good game, but I think Michigan's just going to run it up if O'Corn just keeps playing the way he plays. Yeah, I'm not really sure what to expect from this game. I'll just say turnovers are key because Michigan State, through three games, turned the ball over eight times, and then they didn't turn it over against Iowa, but it looked like they were playing not to turn the ball over, whereas in the first three games they were playing to make the big plays. So, I don't know. To me, it comes down to if Michigan State's going to turn the ball over seven times or like one time, you know, maybe seven's a bit extreme, but you know, you know, the point I'm trying to make. Yes. You, you mentioned turnovers, Joe. And, you know, before last week, I think Michigan, Michigan state before last week, they were ranked last in, um, in the big 10 for turnover ratio. Oh, yeah. And now they're, they're second to last to Indiana in the internal ratio. So that, that's definitely going to be a, a big thing for them to, to watch mm-hmm. out for. And, you know, LJ Scott, we talked about him a little bit earlier. He, he said three fumbles this year, and two of them were on the goal line. Once against Bowling Green, and then once against Notre Dame. So I mean, it's, it's kind of a, something that he's got to, you know, learn to not do because he's a veteran guy. And I, I don't know if I heard this right. He was seen carrying a football around campus. He was, yeah. Um, coaches made him carry a football around campus. Um, anybody on the team saw him, they would try to strip the ball out of him, and he would have to protect it. Wait a minute. You guys have seen the movie The Program, correct? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's been making references to that. Yeah, that's that's straight out of that movie. Uh, Omar Epps kept fumbling, freshman <laughs> kept fumbling, so they made him carry the football in, and he was walking through class one day, and one of the linemen smacked the football out of his hands, and all the football players in the class just went for the whole football. And if he lost that football, if he didn't bring that football at the end of the day back to his coach, the dude wasn't playing. So there's that one scene in the movie. It's a good scene if you guys go see it. They knock the yeah. ball over points, and like 15 football players in that class just go at it. And there's a and the professor's yelling at them, and then it clears up, and then Omar Epps comes back with the ball. And he's like, "Yeah, I lost my ball," and he just holds out it with two hands and sits there for the rest of the day. But that's a great movie, dude. That's a, that's a good thing that they're doing for that kid because oh, yeah. he has Classic. he has a hundred hundred dude that's trying to bring that ball back to the coach and not let him bring that ball back. His, his teammates need to, when they see him, they need to try to get that ball from him because it's, that's the name of the game. 
that's a, that's a great movie. And um, it, it kind of relates to every football game, I think. But the biggest thing that you're going to see in this game, it's the biggest thing, is if Michigan's offensive line can hold up. And we talk about O'Corn and how, how well he played against Purdue, and he did play great. But um, if Michigan's offensive line can get him, give him time to, to pass, I mean, he can at least run out and scramble. But they got to give him some time in, in Michigan State's defense. They are aggressive and young, aggressive defense too. They they like to blitz and, and get to the quarterback, like you just mentioned, Joe. They have nine sacks this year, so they're going to try to get to a corner. And same with Michigan, they're going to try to get to a Lewerke. So, but mm-hmm. Michigan's offensive line has has not really looked great this year, and you've seen a lot of different guys on the offensive line for Michigan. You haven't seen a starting five for them. You've seen a lot of different cases in there throughout the whole for, through the first four games. So we'll see who goes. Yeah, Michigan, Michigan State's offensive line hasn't looked great to this point either. Obviously, there's a reason the running game's not working when you got three experienced, talented running backs. And I think for the second straight game, uh, right guard David Beadle's going to be out. So true freshman Kevin Jarvis will be starting in his place. So Battle of the Trenches uh, is looking like the biggest key matchups right now they're they're both both their offensive line are younger guys michigan state lost i think their biggest guy didn't they lose uh the conklin or Allen to the draft don't quote me on that i mean that was like two years ago yeah oh who did they lose on the offensive line last year i know they, they lost a few guys i i thought they um from 2000 from 2016 we lost uh benny mcgowan who was a guard uh we lost cody keeler who was a tackle and then um, I believe it was Theo Lacusa who played as a true freshman who uh, just transferred. And then uh, in 2000, from 2015 to 16, uh, Jack Allen and Donovan Clark graduated and Jack Conklin went to the pros. Yeah, um, so Brian Allen, is, you know, Brian Allen has the, has the most experience of anybody on the, on the offensive line right now. He's what, um, all, preseason All-American, I think, on, for the offensive lineman. This year, yeah, he's he's their center. Yeah, so the, the, both teams are kind of in the same boat as far as experience goes. I feel like, but um, it's all about schemes and it's all about about blocking, and that's going to be, I think, a, a big thing to watch in the game. And also turnovers, who you know, scoring off turnovers too. Yeah, yeah no, I agree, I agree with you. I kind of think that they're kind of the same team. It's just going to be the schemes what takes them over the top because I look at O'Corn and I look at Lewerke, they're kind of like the same quarterback to me, right? They're mobile. They got decent arms. They don't have like all over the top arms, but I think that's where the comparisons kind of stop because Lewerke is doing everything on that offense. He's leading, obviously he's leading passing yards as the quarterback, but he's second in rushing. When your quarterback is second in rushing, I'm, I, and it's it's within yards that, that him and L.J. Scott differ from total rushing yards. He's not going to be able to do it all. He's, he can't do it with his feet. He can't do it with his arms. L.J. Scott needs to step up, and like you said, he needs to the program, keep a, keep that football tight like the lid of a pickle jar, and if L.J. Scott don't step up and their offensive running game doesn't step up for MSU, it's too much work on low work. You know, low work, he, yeah. he, he can low work it, he can be the low worker, he can do all that, but he's going to get tagged. If he keeps running like he does, Michigan's defense, they put, they like to put hats on the ball, man, and he's going to get lit up. And we saw what happened last year with quarterbacks with Michigan. They, they seem to get, they seem to drop, you know, on the wayside every time they play them. So mm-hmm. they need well, to really – Right, but they really need to defend the rookie. They 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 really need to yeah. set up their offensive game because once he once he once quarterbacks run outside of the pocket, they tuck it and run. Boy, I don't care who you are on defense, your eyes light up. You you want to you want to kill that quarterback. You want to eat that quarterback. You want to put him to the ground and have him bring in their their backup. So you I give think a guy like that, Devin Bush. You give a guy like Devin Bush that opportunity, and oh. oh. All day, his his eyes are biggest, uh, you know, saucers, and he wants to kill Lewerke, and that's every that's every defensive player. So State needs to step up and take that running pressure off of Lewerke, so they can actually have 
some of it of running game, slow work. He can maybe have time to throw, you know. So mm-hmm. I think I think that's a that'll be a big factor too. I want to ask yeah. you this question, Josh. Um, how many de- designs, design runs, do you think the work he's had this year, or do you think those have just been, you know, him just making something out of the play? I, I was kind of wondering that to myself. Which just no, um, no, they're improvised. Yeah. Yeah. Designed runs, I would say probably less than ten through the four games to this point. Um, his long touchdown run against Western, the sixty-one yard run, that was read option. Like that wasn't specifically designed to go to Lewerke. It just so happened that Western was pretty sure it was going to go to. Um, I think it was London. The bat was the back on that play, and Lewerke just kept it and saw a seam and took off. I think like the only designed run that has really worked was the quarterback sneak against Notre Dame that ended up being a 52-yard run. So I, I think it's been mostly improvisation. Yeah, like plays have breaking, broken down and he's just had to do something. Yeah, he's he's good at doing that. I, before the season, I didn't really know he had that in his arsenal. He could do that kind of stuff. And I don't know how many other people did either. Maybe it'll work. He's the only one that really knew that. But yeah. I think that in this game, you'll see you'll try to see Mike McCray or a linebacker spy Lewerke, try to keep his eyes on Lewerke so he doesn't run because he likes doing that. And Mike McCray is not the, the fastest linebacker, so if he spies him and you get another you know, guy um, in there to, to stop Lewerke. But um, hopefully they can contain contain that. And um, that's why you watch film and see what yeah. your game plan is. So Hopefully they don't break his leg again. <laughs> No, yeah, I don't. Think, I don't want to. I don't want to see that. And you know, he broke his leg. Right. You don't want to see anybody like hurt. No, nobody. I mean, even when Colorado's quarterback went out when they played Michigan and um, Michigan oh yeah, took him out of the game. I mean, me, I was like, I mean, I was obviously like, oh, it wasn't intentional. No, but he, I'm like, I was thinking, I'm like, he, okay, this guy's out of the game, and it's. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even praying that he's hurt or anything like that, and I'm not rejoicing that they hurt his quarterback, but not, you know. Colorado was driving in that game, and it looked like momentum was on their side. So the yeah. game turned after that. So Yeah, and I thought Michigan State played three quarterbacks against Michigan last year, and Lewerke was far and away the best, probably by default because Tyler O'Connor and Damian Terry are just pure garbage at the quarterback position. But I thought out of those three, Lewerke moved the ball uh, the most adequately. Yeah, and that's why he's, he's the starter right now. So um, rolling with him, and um, they don't have any other options besides. Um, I think the best guy after him would be um, the waiver inside the waiver, I, I believe. But the Weaver, yeah, the Weaver, yeah. Um, that's my opinion. Would be the best, but um, yeah, we'll we'll see the Weaver at some point. Probably not in this game, but yeah. So we talked about it a little bit. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. You probably just won't see him very much, but yeah. Uh, we talked about it a little bit previously with the night game topic about um, this fierce rivalry, not only on the field but in the parking lot, in the backyard, all over the state. These are just two fan bases that don't like each other. Yet, sometimes you look into the stands, you see somebody with a green and white shirt, maize and blue hat, a shirt that's split down the middle. People who like to identify as State of Michigan fans. And uh, Sasha and I have talked about this briefly before, but I am not a fan of the State of Michigan fan. To me, you got to be, you got to be green or blue. You can't, you can't be one or the other. You can't be both. You got to be one or the other. Um, so I'll let Sasha lead off with this one because I think I know his take a little bit because we have briefly discussed this. So Sasha, wanted to take this one away. Okay, is let me bring you into my mindset into my world. Growing up in Dearborn Heights, you there was a prospect here in Dearborn Heights, went to Robichaud by the name of Tyrone Wheatley when I was in middle school. And mm, that name sounds familiar. About, right. A little bit a little bit familiar. I don't know if you know <laughs> the junior that's on there right now, but Tyrone Wheatley went to Robichaud High School in here in North End Dearborn Heights. I used to go watch this dude play as a kid. I didn't, I didn't go to my arm. I didn't go to Crestwood. I used to go to Robichaud to watch Tyrone Wheatley play. And then we went to Michigan, this whole Fab Five thing. Um, 
Michigan was just in my heart. So when it when it came time to me to go to football camps, basketball camps, naturally I said I want to go to Ann Arbor. So Michigan's always been to me my love, my school. I love it. My sister is a Michigan State graduate. So it's conflicting for me because, you know, I love my sister. State was good to her. She had a great education from State. It's not a bad school. I have a lot of friends that are State fans. I have a lot of friends that are State graduates. Same thing with Michigan. My favorite basketball player of all time is Magic Johnson, State boy. So it's really kind of conflicting for me. So when it comes to Michigan and Michigan State playing each other, I'll always root for Michigan because first come, first serve. It's been in my life mm-hmm. longest. It's To me, it's been in my heart longer and more furiously than State has been. Even though I will vote for, uh, root for Michigan when they're playing against State, when State's playing another team, I root for State. It's the mm-hmm. same thing when 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 state won or when state went to the playoffs, Michigan wasn't there. Oh well, yeah, they're not there. So I'm not going to sit there and I don't know get all sour patch kid and be like, oh my team's out there, so screw that team. Well, yeah. I'm a root for state. Just like if just like with, oh. <laughs> with West, if Western was there, Eastern was there, Central was there, I root for them as long as they're not playing yeah. Michigan. And that's how I kind of feel about that whole situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I was pleasantly surprised uh, when all my friends, because, you know, 90, I would say like 95% of my friends are Michigan fans, pretty hardcore. Um, I was pretty happy when they asked to borrow some of my jerseys for that Alabama game. I mean, mostly they just wanted to see Alabama lose. Obviously it didn't happen. But, you know, I was I was happy to partake in that with them. But the, the people who wear the shirts, like it says Michigan, and then it's like split down the middle, it says state. Ugh, I I – I don't, I don't have any – I mean, I'm sure there can be good people, but I don't have any respect for that type of shirt, man. I, I could wear a shirt like that, but it would just be like one green sleeve. <laughs> and everything else would be missing in just like one green sleeve. That's it. It would be like, okay, this is like the extent of what I do when it's Michigan versus Michigan State. So. <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll part, uh, partake in this kind of conversation. Definitely, um, I, I, um, <laughs> I, I don't think I've really ever – I don't know how many times I've actually seen that. You know, I posted something on online, and his picture kind of surfaced a, a little while back. I think you know maybe a month ago, where he, he had a guy walking. To, I think it was maybe possibly M Den, where he had a, oh yeah, I've seen that. Bell, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bell jersey, and then a, a Michigan All Mays jersey in his hand. And I, those pictures I don't really see too often. I think I've seen one in March Madness, um, same kind of thing. Yeah, I don't really see that too often where you have a. Michigan and Michigan State guy, and both. I don't really see that too much. Maybe you guys see it more than I do. I'm not sure, but I, I just yeah. don't really see it really at all. And I, because mainly, mainly because if you go to Ann Arbor, it's that. If you go to East Lansing, East Lansing, you mostly have Michigan State fans on. But so that, that's right. how it is. Um, I've never been the type of person to, you know, go vote for Michigan State. If, if definitely if they're not facing Michigan, obviously, but um. If they're facing another team, it's almost for me. It's almost bittersweet to root for Michigan State against another team because obviously they're a rival. But I mean, you know, if they're facing Ohio State, you know, I'm definitely not rooting for Ohio State. That's for sure. Yeah. So. Oh, oh that's definite. No way. Yeah. So if Michigan State beats them, you know, I'm like, okay, that, that, that's that's cool. And, and when, when they okay. beat beat them, and I think it was a few years ago on that that kick by kick by Geiger. Oh, it's kind of still oh, a little yeah. bittersweet, but you know it, it's that is, nice to see Ohio State lose. <laughs> that is probably my favorite football game of all time. It's probably right up, in my opinion, like the way I view games. That's probably right up there with the the undefeated Patriots falling to the Giants. Just going into Columbus, no Connor Cook. Everybody's thinking you're dead in the water, and just saying screw it, we're going to come in here and we're going to win anyways. We're going to hold Zeke Elliott to 30 rushing yards, some crap like that. Um, but yeah. here's where I come from. <laughs> here's where I come from on the state of Michigan fan. My mother, who I love very dearly, obviously. <laughs> you better. She, 
she was really rubbed the wrong way by the Fab Five, not their basketball style, but their personalities. You know, obviously the person wasn't (laughs) right. Exactly. But most people who were have probably let it go by now. Right. Um, you know, so I was not born at this point, obviously, but (laughs) she still holds that grudge towards them. And I tell her not to do it, but every Saturday she will watch the Michigan game and whoever they're playing, you know, Cincinnati, Air Force, Hawaii, and she won't, she won't just watch the game. She will actively cheer for the team that is favored to lose by, like, 50 to Michigan. <laughs> and she will Jeez. just watch the whole game. <laughs> Your mother's a savage, bro. That's savage. <laughs> so, and, it's you know, she went to Michigan State. My dad went to Grand Valley and then went to dentistry school at Michigan. But my mom was always the one yelling at the TV the loudest, so... <laughs> We all just kind of followed her fandom. That's funny. You, you talk about you, know, you, talk so. about, you, you talk about that kind of stuff, and the the, the biggest reason why it's, it's so bittersweet when I see that say that stuff is because my stepdad, he's a Michigan State alum, and when he he, he talks about you know sports or anything like that, he, he doesn't really say state facts. He just he's kind of that one guy that's like, oh they suck or whatever. Like he doesn't really. Oh, doesn't really man. give any factual things, and it, like it's like it's so upsetting. It's like if you're gonna talk about something, it's like say factual things, like it just it upsets me. It gets me. It yeah. Me when when someone just like they can't come up point facts about anything, whether it's they, true or not true, or whether they right. it hurts to say. They, yeah. They well, that, why because they're Michigan, okay? And, and, and right. Exactly. That's why, I think that's I think we know a few. A lot of yeah. I think we've. Oh. All had experience with some people who um might not always back up their sports arguments with stats. If you you could probably think yeah. of a few people that I'm thinking about right now. Oh yeah, we can at least one <laughs> or two. <laughs> <laughs> I could think of one from each fan base. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Oh. <laughs> Subtle. We need to get those two. <laughs> like like. Steve and Nate, Steve versus Nate, and just have them go at it about Michigan State and Michigan, and just like it'll be like a non-factual <laughs> argument. It'd be so like biased on each side for like stupid reasons. <laughs> right. Here's the thing <laughs> with um. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing with Steve though. Like he knew the stats, but they were just irrelevant to him. Like he would bring up some crap from like the 80s or 90s and then use those as like his points as to why his team would win it was like <laughs> it was pretty funny Steve we're living in 2017 thank you <laughs> yep. you, know, you, can, you can you can't live that far in the past you know if you, whether you're a Michigan State fan or a Michigan fan you want to live in the 80s I mean that or even the whatever that's yep. seems irrelevant even in the I'm 90s I can't be like oh yeah well you know, Charles Woodson <laughs> picked you guys off with a one-handed grab out of bounds 25 years ago. <laughs> I posted that video on Facebook and talking about what Michigan fans never say and slash what Michigan fans say. Fans we got, yeah, we got in a little spat with you and I, a little back and forth, yeah. a little friendly. Yeah, I'll, I'll sure. I thought it was kind of funny. They had, you think you hit it, oh, yeah, it was... on the head with it. It wasn't really <laughs> Accurate. I don't. A lot of, a lot of those things were kind of right. Crazy, <laughs> so, um, in the yeah, in the past, it's always been like Michigan State fans hate Michigan fans. Michigan fans hate Michigan State fans. But on Sunday, they come together and just watch the Lions find a way to lose. But that's kind of yeah. different this year, isn't it? Yeah, it actually is, man. Our Lions are looking pretty good, and which was crazy to me because their their schedule was harder on the front end. So I'm thinking like their first five games are going to go two and three, you know? Yeah. And, and I thought they were going to easily lose to Arizona, easily uh, lose to uh, the Vikings beginning of the season, beginning of the season. Don't get me wrong. And oh, yeah. They they made Carson Palmer look like a freaking idiot. You know, and then <laughs> the Vikings come in with this, Oh, they got one of the best defenses in the league, blah, blah, blah. And they're like – And they do. They really do. Right? And then they let 
Abdullah almost run a hundred yards, and which hasn't been done in over fifty games in the in the past. The Lions games hasn't been done, so I, I like what I'm seeing. And then a lot of people are a lot of people are predicting them to go win the conference, bro. Yeah, ESPN, I mean, ESPN's ranking them number two behind uh, New England, I believe, or no, uh, my bad, Kansas City. Kansas City. So I'm thoroughly surprised, but then again, I've been in this position before. I've put. Yeah, all my back into the Lions, and then they go zero and seven the rest of the season. So I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm not ready to buy in on them yet, but I'm renting. You know, I'm paying my monthly rent. You know, I'm subscribing. The to me this this week's game versus Carolina. Yeah, you better because they're foreclosing on your Dolphins down there, guy. That's nothing new. That's nothing new. <laughs> you know, you, um, you guys talk talk about this and uh, the Lions. The first time the Lions, the last time the Lions started started two and zero. I mean, they're three and one right now. The last time they started two and zero was um, two thousand eleven, I believe, and they lost in the wild card to the Saints. And they went ten and six that year. So, do they have another ten and six season? I could I could definitely see a ten and six season out of the Lions. Um, or yeah. 11, 11 and five at best. To me, yeah. To me, ten and six might be a disappointment at, right now, because I think the the most difficult part of their schedule is is almost done, and they should be four and zero. Oh. Like I'm not I'm not one of those fans that's going to look back at every game, every loss, and be like, "Well, we should have won because of this and this and this." Like, no, Golden Tate scored, man. They just straight took it away from him, and this is coming from someone who's not a Lions fan, you know. So, in my opinion, if they lose five more games the rest of the year, it's going to be a disappointment. Obviously, things can happen. Somebody can break an arm or shit like that. But they've got a very winnable game this Sunday against a, an up-and-coming Carolina team, a rebounding Carolina team. And I think this, is, this game and the Green Bay game are going to be where most Lions fans decide if they are for real or not. And Carolina's coming off a, a win against New England, and yeah. Super Bowl champs. They got some momentum riding on their side, that's for sure. So the Lions are going to have right. to stop that. Yeah, I don't think they face the quarterback as good as Cam Newton, um, aside from Matt Ryan when he has Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu. When when Matt Ryan doesn't have Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu, they lose to the Bills. So. Mm. <laughs> So I really think Stafford is solidifying himself, earning his paycheck, and proving that he is a top five quarterback in this league. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Joe. Go ahead, go ahead Mike. My bad. It, Stafford, right now, you know, you talk about Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, and what you want to throw another guy in there, whoever you want to throw in there, he's definitely. We could throw Cam in there. Yeah, Cam. Okay. No. Or, at this point, I wouldn't throw Cam. I wouldn't throw Cam in there. I wouldn't even throw Breeze in there. No. I, I would say there's two guys that I would start over Matt Stafford at this moment, and that's Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Everyone else, Tom dude, Brady. they can kick rocks with no shoes or socks on right now. I'm, I'm being dead honest with you. And I wasn't the biggest. You guys remember me for last year? I'm not the biggest Stafford advocate. I said last year that. He's surprising me. He's stepping up. He's being a leader. Maybe it's because the security blanket Megatron is away. This year he's doing the same thing, and I don't. I'm 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 sounding like I'm buying in. Um, I'm I'm just gonna be cautiously optimistic. I like what I see so far. Yeah, everybody's like um, the lines. You gotta be every season. It's like that. Right. A little bit of good, and then bam. <laughs> I, w- I would feel more comfortable buying in if they had a consistent run game. Like, one good performance against Minnesota is not enough to sell me at this point. But uh, I'm renting in, you know. <laughs> I'm not yeah, buying in just yet. That's all right, man. You can give up your timeshares down in Miami. It's good, man. <laughs> I never said I bought in with them. <laughs> well, they <laughs> did. It's like it's, it's almost they, they don't sell false hope to you, but they, they – yeah kind of do something on the cusp of that where they're like you know do good for these first couple games and then it's it, it's kind of sliding down and then they kind of finish off the season yeah. kind of strong and you're a fan you're used to that and don't yeah. get me wrong I've never been 
one that watches the Lions. I've never been one that's you know, rooting for the Lions that hard like that. I, I've never been like that. I can't say that I've ever been like that. So, you know, if they, they're playing and I, I'll watch them and they win, hey, that, that, that's cool. But I'm not going to sit there and, and then jump on the bandwagon when they're good one season and then the next season they, you know, go 9-7 mm-hmm. and seven or 7-9. Seven and nine. I'm not going to yeah. do that. A lot of people feel that way, Mike. A lot of people feel that way. Me, I feel yeah. like I've been watching the Lions for so long, they've been letting me down since so I was five. It's going on like 30 years now they've been letting me down. But I just figured, you know, oh, well, I already I already invested waited this long. You know, it's kind of hard being a Lions fan, but I don't know. I enjoy yeah. it. Sasha, they have one, what, one playoff win since 93, I think it is. Mike, Thanks what else do I have? I live in Metro Detroit. My <laughs> Detroit team is the Lions. I'm, I'm one that's big in it. I'm a homer, okay? I don't yeah. like to see my teams lose, you know? I don't like to see yeah. the the Tigers, the Lions, the Pistons, or the uh, Red Wings yeah. lose. But at least, at least the Red Wings have given us championships. Great moments. Yeah. At least the Pistons have given us championships. Great moments. The Tigers, championships. Great moments. Uh, and a number one uh, pick. And a number one pick. Cy Young winners. You know, you got a, 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 a triple crown and Mickey. Uh, dude, it's just, when it comes to Lions, it's like, what are they giving you? Barry, and then they made him retire off some bullshit. They gave you Megatron and made you retire off some bullshit. So, I'm hoping that... Maybe Doak Walker, right? Yeah. But I'm I'm hoping that... I'm just hoping that one day in my life I can crack a brew to a a Lion Super Bowl. I think it's going to happen. It has to happen. It, <laughs> you know, when's it going to end? It ended for the Cubs. When the Cubs won, you know how much hope that gave Detroit Lions fans. Like, dude, dude. <laughs> like, the Cubs we're, we're next in line. Yeah. Right. That's it. We're we're next in line. You guys are off the list. Your curse is done with. You know. Hopefully our Bobby Lane curse goes away. You know. And and yeah. people honestly hold on to that. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. If the Lions win a Super Bowl, you will see people going to cemeteries in droves to crack a beer on their dad or their grandfather and their great grandfather or their uncle or their great uncle's graves. Because I guarantee you, man, it really does mean that much to people. And a lot of people have probably died wanting to see a Lions Super Bowl championship. And yeah, man, I know a lot of people. It's a Lions. A lot of people probably had a heart attack. Right. A lot of people probably had a heart attack after Calvin Johnson was ruled to have an incomplete pass against Chicago. That's where it all started. <laughs> That's probably yeah. Pretty much. You know, the, the Lions, I think this season, though, I will, I will say this, they they have looked the most consistent I've seen. And, and it, it looks like they can maintain that consistency throughout the season, not where other seasons where they looked somewhat consistent. And it, it, they, they're probably not going to keep that form. Or where they, they're up and down and they come back in the fourth quarter. And that's why, what, Stafford having the most fourth-quarter comebacks of any quarterback in the league. Oh, right. Yeah. That, History, I think. I think he has. Yeah. I think he has the record. So they look like they can stay consistent this season, and the they're three and one, and some fans wanted that to be four and all, but they look like they can maintain that. They just got to get get healthy, and I don't think mm-hmm. fans should fans should get their hopes up though. I, I, with the Lions, you, yeah. you, just, you just never ever do, and until it, it's the end, just let the season play out. <laughs> Take it big, get, mm-hmm. game by game. Yeah, and get Taylor Decker back because going into the season, I thought that was a huge loss, and now it looks like if if he can come back this year, if and when he comes back, um, it might be like a big boost of energy to them. Yeah, doesn't he play left tackle? I'm guessing. Yeah, and they right now they have Greg Robinson, a former number one pick of the Rams, and they got him right. for really next to nothing, and he's committed so many penalties this year, this year. It's really been hurting the Lions yeah. in some of the aspects of the game. And uh, they just suffered another key injury on the offensive line. Uh, Second-year guard Joe Dahl was put on injury reserve. I was very sad to see that. 
Yeah, they'll probably find a way to transition Robinson or um, Decker over to a spot watch. They'll have to figure something out there um, that's crucial for for the Stafford B to be yeah. able to pass the way he's been passing. So yeah, hopefully that Greg Robinson guy can come into his own again because he's a former number one first round pick, and I, I'm not sure what the Lions seeing in him, and maybe they're thinking that he'll get into his old form and get coached up, but he's definitely committed some um, not costly penalties, but just you know knucklehead penalties this year. Knucklehead, right. Yeah, and it's ha- it's always happening every game. It's more than once, and it's just like you know, as a fan, you're yeah. even not even as a fan, if you're just watching the game, you're just like, really? Come on, that's stupid. The one thing we try to do every episode on Beards for Radio is include a non-sports topic. And this week, we are talking about music, specifically current music, unfortunately. Um, So what we're going to do today is rank our top three albums of 2017 to this point. And we're going to do it in like a snake formation, you know what I'm saying? So for the number three album, we'll have Mike, then Sasha, then Joe say our number three albums. Then for the number two, we'll go Joe, Mike, Sasha. And then number one, lead off with Sasha, Joe, and Mike. So, Mike, let's hear your number three album of 2017 to this point. Um, I am going to go, since I listen to this kind of kind of music, I'm going to go with Damn by Kendrick Lamar. Ooh. That's one that's gotten, like, a lot of a lot of talk and a lot of awards. So that's a good, good selection. To me now... I'm going to go, in my order, is going to be my obvious choice, right? My personal, and which I think is a sleeper. My first choice is obvious. It, it, it is also Kedrick Lamar, Damn. I think my favorite song on there is Humble. I jam it when I work out. So, Mike, good pick. I'm with you on that one. Nice. My number three album, um, I'm kind of more into the alternative or indie rock scene. Um, Cage the Elephant released a live album called Unpeeled. Um, it's a very, very good album. They include like a, a whole string orchestra with their band. Uh, it just makes beautiful music. I would have it higher, but it's a it's a concert. Uh, you know, it's a live concert CD. So most of those songs are not from 2017. But that is my number three album. Nice. Uh, my my number two album. Anybody who knows me could probably guess. Um, Wonderful, Wonderful from The Killers, their fifth studio album, first album in five years. I did not have super high expectations following their singles, but, you know, I bought it, gave it a few listens. I love it, and I'm excited to see them again. All right, my second one is a personal favorite to me. I, I pretty much jammed this CD or album on my Spotify so I probably have all the songs on there, but it's uh, All American Badass, Joey Badass. I listen to a song called Devastated on there. I probably pay it like three times in a row when I'm working out. Most of these songs are geared towards me working out. So, um, yeah, that's from number two, Joey Badass, All American Badass. Um, I'm going to go with my number two, and it's Big Sean, I Decided. And I guess that just kind of plays into what kind of music I listen to and just um, – I don't really download albums anymore because, you know, no one, I don't think anybody really downloads music anymore. They just stream it, I guess. Yeah. But um, it's got a lot of good songs on there, and it's it's uh, it's uh, got a lot of stuff based towards, um, like, Detroit. And there's a song on there that's uh, dedicated to Flint. So that's, that's cool for me. So. Nice. Yeah. All right, Sasha, your number one album. <laughs> To me, my number one album, and I believe this is such a sleeper, um, is Run the Jewels. Um, the song is called, uh, the CD is Run the Jewels 3. The Run the Jewels is a group made up of Killer Mike and LP, short for El Producto. They have a song on there called Close Your Eyes with Zach Della Roca. If you guys aren't familiar with Zach Della Roca, it's the lead singer for Rage Against the Machine. He's also really Ooh. big in the hip-hop scene. Great CD. Go get it. Listen to it. It's a really good CD. Very nice. Yeah. Um, my favorite album, my top album of 2017, 
not only this year, but it's probably my favorite album to come out in the last like three or four years. Um, will be After Laughter from Paramore. Um, I don't know, like when you think Paramore, you think of like punk rock, like you know, probably some teenage girls or something like that. But it's actually a very good, very emotion emotional and emotion drawing album. Um, the lead single Hard Times is one of my favorite songs. And yeah, ever since that album came out, I've loved it. Can't stop listening to it. I love After Laughter by Paramore. I, I've listened to those bands, I think, back in the day, Joe, and I mean, I, not religiously or anything like that, but I've definitely heard, heard some of that music before. I just, just not really my cup of tea, but um, my stuff is more more uh, hip-hop oriented, I guess. Um, I'm gonna mm-hmm. lie, for, my number one album is uh, is uh, More Life by Drake. And I, I think a lot of people don't really care for Drake because he thinks he's kind of you know, a little bit corny, but um, <laughs> I, I, that, that's uh, my number one album. So. Yeah, I wanted to include this topic because I knew we all had pretty um, pretty varying tastes in music, so we definitely have some variety in there. Um, which is good, you know? Yeah, most definitely. I think, uh, I think being everywhere and having, uh, you know, having friends in different areas, because I was never one in high school to be like, I'm just a jock. I like click jump. I like hung out with skateboarders. I hung out with, you know, you know, the jocks. I hung out with nerds. It didn't matter to me. So, like, I think that's cool that we all have, like, different variants opinions yeah. on stuff uh do does anybody in this in this topic uh like country does anyone listen to that on day to day basis or no <laughs> only country no. i would listen to would probably be like uh bluegrass or like johnny cash type country all this new age like blake sheldon like my pickup truck my wife beater and my <laughs> beer you know like no i, I can't do that i, I um, don't think so. i wanted to ask that i don't do if you count it stuff. <laughs> If you count like old Leonard Skinner as country, then yeah, but no, 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 that's like that's that's still like it, it that's, goes. Yeah, normal. that's still more. That's still more classic rock centered. I agree. Right. <laughs> I I just don't really I can't really get into that kind of stuff. Um, I, I it's I think music honestly I think we both all can agree and this is something that you can relate to. How's it make you feeling? And what's what's your emotions going to it? I, it kind of sounds preachy or whatnot, but it's really based on how, what it, what you go through and stuff like that. What what can you relate to? Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely, I agree with that. We gotta we gotta relate to something. But you know what? You were saying something about Drake being like people think it's cheesy. Like I wasn't the biggest Drake fan starting off, but looking at the artists that are coming out nowadays, I look back and oh. I say, thank God, thank God for Drake. You know, like, like I listen to some of the stuff out, it's like somebody cause it's like, like they get on the mic and they'll be like, Oh, you know, it's just like that mumble rap kind of stuff. Like, yep. what is this? What is this? Honestly, honestly, man, I can friggin I can fart cadence better than you're doing right now, man. And it's just, I, I can't, I, I can't do it. And like, hey, dude, Drake's a good pick because thank God for Drake being around. I wouldn't have said this five, seven years ago. I'd have been like, what is this? It's not even hip hop. Now I look at it like, thank God for Drake. Do your thing because nowadays, like these kids are like, they're absolutely garbage, no talent. And I, and it, mm. it, it sucks to see where society's going nowadays. But that's another topic, another day. <laughs> it's all about money, and they want to pay somebody that really doesn't have much talent. Uh, I mean, well, isn't isn't it the NBA now? Ooh, my bad. <laughs> Damn, mic drop. Damn. Yeah. Well, on that we note, can... should we uh, should we wrap it up on that? We can wrap it up on that, and if Mike All right. come back anytime, this is what we do: we just chop it up and we talk sports and on. Yeah. yeah. Mike, we want to thank you for stopping by. Yeah. You have to work on your beard if you want to become a regular. <laughs> yeah, sure. Can, you, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be a full beard. You can have like a go, little, little goatees, a soul yeah. patch, something. But mine won't. Mine won't. Uh, mine won't fill out like you guys will fill out. But um, 
I've tried to <clears throat> tried to grow it in. I, I don't think it's it can't get it can't get poofed out like that. I, I don't know uh, what's the secret to that. I guess <laughs> puberty shampoo. Shampoo. Well, the shampoo I can do. I, the shampoo I can do. I think the puberty part has been long, long gone. Okay. Long gone. But uh, okay. I heard, that with, I heard if you that. put mayonnaise on your face, I heard if you put mayonnaise on your face, it'll and leave it there overnight. It'll, it'll come out later. Get out of here. Get out of here. That sounds, that sounds like a. That sounds like you're trying to prank him into like sleeping with mayo on his face. Wake up. Well, Either that or peanut butter. I heard peanut butter works a lot better, though. <laughs> I don't know. Don't take my word for it. Try it. You know? All right. I'll try it, and I'll <laughs> eat a sandwich while I'm doing it, too. <laughs> All right, guys. With Mike and yeah, Joe. Thanks for having me on there. Thanks for coming, man. Thanks for talking anytime. Guys, this is Beards for Radio. Signing off.